it's just super rewarding because they grow in front of your eyes, basically. It could be between um, 10, 12, 14 days, that sort of time frame from absolutely nothing to perfectly formed crop. Hey, I'm Tegan, and this is The Dirt. Welcome to our second episode of The Dirt. We're about to catch up with Eric Young, who, along with business partner Adam Sainer, is pioneering urban mushroom farming in the UK. Super keen about sustainability, they grow and waste coffee grounds in the southwest of England. They've taken it on themselves to share their knowledge and growing methods with other small farmers around the world. Eric, thanks so much for joining us. Now, I really love this concept of low-waste farming, um, but my question is, how how does one even begin to start an urban mushroom farm? What does that process actually look like? And how far have you guys come since since your beginnings? Well, we came across this whole concept of growing on coffee waste, and what we did then is we collected coffee from a city about 25 miles from where we are based. We're in a, quite a rural location here, on the beautiful Dartington Estate. Um, so we drove to Plymouth and we walked around these cafes. You would have laughed if you had seen us. Um, we just picked up bin liners of coffee waste, basically, threw them on our shoulders and dragged them back to our car, um, which worked most of the time, but it's pretty embarrassing if the bag split and you're in the middle of the Marks and Spencers and it's just sort of everywhere you stood in a pool of coffee waste. We did that for, for a while and then we thought, yes, this is working. This is working really well. And that's how we set up the UK's first urban mushroom farm so we've taken about 40 tons of coffee waste which is an enormous amount from between four and six cafes and kept that out of sort of the whole waste stream and made it into local food instead wow wow so what does 40 tons of waste grinds actually look like to the average coffee drinker so just to give you an idea of what 40 tons of coffee waste is like in terms of cups of coffee 40,000 kilograms, there's about 100 cups of coffee in each kilogram of coffee waste, so the grounds that the cafe normally bins. So it's equivalent to about 4 million cups of coffee that we've just collected by bike trailer, basically, and turned into local food instead, which also shows you how this is why we want other people to do similar stuff, similar ways of growing, because this is just the tip of the iceberg, right? There's, you know, just in the UK, there's so many coffee shops popping up left, right and centre in this pubs closing every day so you can see how the the trends are sort of forming towards more of this kind of waste okay so you guys aren't just an urban farm though are you you've got a few different projects going on can you can you tell me a bit about what else you've got going on and what else you're growing so in the urban farm we've traditionally grown oyster mushrooms because that works better um, on coffee waste Then on the rural farm, we've been experimenting with low-tech techniques. So again, just not using tons of energy, no pressure cookers and all that sort of stuff. And we've been successful in cultivating oyster mushrooms in that way and shiitake mushrooms in in that way. But we're also experimenting constantly. So we've got um, king oyster that we're doing, pio pino. Um, We'll soon be looking at some... um, Raishi and other medicinal ones, so shiitake can also be a medicinal one, of course. Um, so we'll actually look to go into sort of log cultivation a bit as well, which is nice because we're reconnecting um, with that side of things. Adam has done it years and years ago that we grew a raishi, and I'm not sure you're familiar with raishi, but that's an absolutely incredible variety. It's called the um, panacea polypore because it's got so many qualities from a health perspective as well. 
Right, so lots going on and lots on the horizon. What can people get their hands on from you at the moment? So we supply mushrooms to our local cafes here. Um, we supply a chain of um, really lovely country house hotels um, with substrates. So they fruited in front of their customers and then obviously the customers learn something about it as well. So that's a bit of education. And then also we teach growers from all over the world how to set up a low-tech mushroom farm where we teach them how to plan, design, build and operate their own sort of small mushroom farm. Yeah, so you guys have been teaching other farmers your growing methods for for quite a while now. How do you see the future for small farmers? Lots of people think that small growers might not matter as much, but in fact there's over um, half a billion small farms around the world and, and they grow the majority of staple crops. I think most people think that big foods, so Cargill, Dole, um, those players are more vital than they actually are. Yeah, it's quite obvious that people are supporting small farmers more and more and the demand for local food has been growing. Um, Can you tell me a little bit more about the courses that you run and the people that you're getting coming to your courses to learn how to grow food for their communities? Um, We run courses here when we got into growing on coffee waste we ran courses on the Dartington estate here in Devon in the UK and um, initially got people sort of from just the UK and then it transpired quite quickly that we got people coming in from abroad so people flew in from Norway some people came in from France and Eastern Europe as well and we just thought this is a little bit this is a bit bizarre actually we never expected it in the first place but also then if you look at wanting to be you know, at the forefront of sustainable food growing and specifically mushroom growing, then having people fly in just doesn't make sense, right? So what we wanted to do was translate it into an online format. And that was back in twenty end of 2015 or so. And ever since, online courses have taken off in a big way anyway. Um, so that was a good time for us to look into it more. Um, we now have taught to people to grow on just coffee, um, that course we don't run anymore, but that was sort of nearly a thousand people, I think, who um, we've helped set up. And now we focus more on these low-tech ways of growing mushrooms. And that is a really interesting bunch of people who are sort of gravitating towards this community of growers. And it's really rewarding for us to see because they start to help each other. Um, they connect on a country level. Um, there's lots of people into permaculture in Queensland, for instance, and they connect, they know each other, they support each other through our Facebook community. And that's just, um, yeah, that's amazing to see for us. That's just um, really rewarding. And what's a big thing you think people are taking away from your classes? What they often don't realise is that mushrooms are not as complicated to grow as people tend to think. They think there's some sort of magic going on and lots of people think it needs to be done in the dark, for instance, but that's only with button mushrooms grown on horse manure. So it's 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 that's the educational bit where we try to make people aware that growing mushrooms isn't only just really good fun. It's not as tricky. It's fairly simple if you get the setup right. All right, Eric, the nitty gritty of mushroom growing. What's the starting point? What's the process? What happens in between those first stages up until it lands on the dinner table? Yes. So what the starting point is, and people often think it's spores, but spores are sort of the ones that, you know, the mushrooms in nature drop spores and that's how they reproduce. Um, When it comes to mushroom cultivation, you tend to use spawn. 
So for instance, grain spawn, um, which is, it's exactly that. It's little specks of grain covered in mycelium, which is the sort of mushroom roots, the network. Um, then you break that up and you introduce it to a substrate, so a source of food. Then you give it time, and that time we call incubation, and it needs warm conditions for that, and it needs to be dark. And once that period is over, so for instance, for um, oyster mushrooms, that's sort of three weeks. Once that period is over, you introduce it to the ideal fruiting parameters, which is often a lot of fresh air, humidity, some light as well. And that's the whole, that's the whole stage, basically. So from start to finish, you need a mixing space, an incubation stage. So you need a room that's nice and warm. And then you've got a fruiting stage where you need a room where you can keep it nice and, you know, moisture levels right and fresh air and all that sort of stuff. So how exactly does Grow Cycle differ from just your average mushroom farm? Yes, well, what we, what we want to see is more local food production, which carries less of a CO2 impact and is just more sustainable. That's kind of what we're trying to do. What happens a lot now with large industrial farms, especially mushroom farms, is that they do these stages that I just talked about, so the incubation and fruiting stage, they can do it really quite far apart, which is really, really energy intensive. So lots of industrial scale farms in Europe, for instance, import from Asia the substrate blocks, and then it gets all the way shipped halfway around the world, and then the fruiting is done there, and then often it gets popped onto um, you know, cold freight storage and all that sort of stuff. So it's really energy intensive. And another way, if it doesn't get fruited in Europe, for instance, some people air freight it. So, you know, you, you're imagining scenarios where you just have planes flying, flying from South Korea to the UK with 20 tons of mushrooms on. And that's just a horrible carbon footprint, of course. And that happens way more than people realise. So that's that's where we want to just make more people aware that you can grow these quite easily, you know, in your own local food scene. And there's people who will value that. Nice work. And that's sort of the difference we're trying to make. Now, most importantly, Eric, what's your favourite mushroom variety and why? For me, I think it would be um, the oyster mushroom. And that's mainly because um, it's just a bit of toast bit of garlic and some salt and that's all it needs and it's it's just such a flavoursome dish. Um, I love especially the oyster because for me it's been there all the way on this journey since we started in 2011 to where we are now in 2018. So it's taken quite a special part in, in my life basically. So that's that's the one I love most I think. Eric, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us and thanks for giving us a guided tour into the world of mushrooms. Now, if you'd like to hear more about what GrowCycle is up to, head on over to their website at www.growcycle.com. That's G-R-O-C-Y-C-L-E. Otherwise, keep an eye out on the Dirt social media feeds for any updates. Thanks so much for listening in and I'll see you next time.